Okay, so I just wanted to add on to the shear that I gave the other day. And the main idea of the shear was based on the Gemara and Shabbos, Nun Hayamad Beis. And the, it took up the, the Gemara Rabbi Yonasan, who said that anyone who says that Reuven sinned is making a mistake. And he's the same thing for Bnei Eli, for Bnei Shmuel, for Shlomo, for David, and for Yoshio. And I was explaining the shir, the point of the shir was to say that Rav Yonasan actually held, and even though the plain shot of the Pesukim would, would lead one to believe that these people did these terrible sins, but at the same time, Rav Yonasan maintains that that's not the case, that in truth, literally, they didn't do these sins, they did other things, but they didn't do these sins, but the, the plain shot of the Pasuk is written in a way which implies that they did these, thing, these sins for reasons which we developed. In other words, in a nutshell, basically, it's describing how leaders have to, are responsible not only for what they actually do, but for the implications, interpretations, consequences of the sins that they do. And the Kra, Viona Sun is maintaining that the Pasuk, the Plame Shot, describes sins from the vantage point of the impact and the impression which the, the leaders make, not necessarily describing the historical record of what they actually did. Okay, and that was basically the shared developed. But there are others who others who have a position that that even Rav Yonasan and those Mefarshim who took on his position agree with the plain shot that literally historically Reuven did sleep with Bella and. David did violate Eshesesh and kill, uh, kill an innocent man. And Shlomo built the Bamos. And Yoshiahu sinned. And Bnei Eli slept with the women. And the Bnei Shmuel took bribes. That's, that's a, a version of it. The plain shot is the plain shot. What it says in the Pasuk is what actually historically happened. And I, what's Rabbi Yonasan talking about? What does Yonasan, Rabbi Yonasan and the Mepharshim afterwards say? Anyone who says that they sinned making a mistake. So there's two versions Two versions of how these alternate explanations interpret it. One, I think, is much worse than the other. So one is more, I guess you could call it, maybe by academics or by different types of apikorsim who would say that, oh, this is just the rabbis involving themselves in some sort of apologetics, a whitewashing. Of course, they're trying to protect their own. They're trying to protect their great leaders. And in order to do that, they're basically lying and can saying that even though the psukim seem to describe that they sin, that they that they sin, they're saying no, no, no. They're just defending, trying to make almost convey a sense like our leaders are infallible. They don't make any mistakes. That type of thing. Now that's obviously uh, so. That's one version. That's one version. Then the other version is a more, I guess, charitable uh, interpretation. Definitely, definitely much better. Which is to say that no. Really, they did. Uh, they did all these sins as is literally described. The shot is the shot. You can't argue on the shot. But for pedagogical methods or things like that, that it's, it's important for people to think of Reuven, of, Shm- of Shlomo, of David, of Yoshiahu, of, as big tzaddikim, and to re- value them and respect them. And as such, for, uh, in order to maintain people's, I guess, you know, romantic view of these uh, characters as being super great tzaddikim, therefore the... Um, you know, the Midrashim, if you will, paint a different picture than what actually literally happened. Again, that's, it's very different than the first one. The first one is more just like it's like lying for the sake of protecting. This is more like an educational thing for the sake, ultimately, Shem Shemayim, for the sake of, um, you know, maintaining the respect and dignity of our tzaddikim. Okay, so I want to have, I have a few questions 
four questions on this on either of these theories and two additional points. So the first question is like this, is that, that the, the, there's a difference between Torah Shavuchsav and Torah Shavuchsav. Torah Shavuchsav, the written Torah, is written and available for everybody. It's given, read by kids. It's totally accessible, written. Everyone in the world is able to, or whatever, who knows reads Hebrew, is able to read it. It's meant to be read by everybody. Torah Shavuchsav, on the other hand, is meant to be passed down by the Chachamim, from Chacham to Chacham to Chacham, I'll be the Mesorah. Pass it down from, right, from Rebbe to Talmud, Rebbe to Talmud. It's true it's been written down because otherwise there was a risk of it getting lost. But it wasn't designed to be passed along to the masses. It was designed to be passed along to, to Chachamim and their Talmudim. Now the Torah Shavuchsav openly says that, that uh, Reuven sinned, Reuven slept with Billah, and all these different Averas, right? And that's readily accessible to everybody, and it's written in Torah Shavuchsav in a clear way, saying these things happen. Now, then the Torah Shavuot to suggest that the Torah Shavuot is trying to whitewash it and trying or to cover it up and to create an image for pedagogical purposes or to lie, either way, whatever it is, to say that it's trying to deny those things. The Torah Shavuot was not given to the masses. Bottom line is you're not going to help the masses have access to Torah Shavuot. And Torah Shavuot is what says that they send. So it's it's like out of place to say Torah Shavuot is not meant wasn't written for school children. It's written for the Bali Masora. So to say that the reason Rabbi Yonasan is really thinks the plain shot is at Ruvinson. But we don't want people to think that, so we're going to write down in the Gemara, we're going to pass down to our students, so to me, then, anyone who says he said made a mistake. It just seems like the Torah Shavuot is what's given to everybody. And if anything, you'd say the Torah Shavuot would be written for everybody and therefore might be more protective of the, of the leaders. And Torah Shavuot would say what really happened. So I just think it's it's somewhat backwards to, to suggest that. Okay. Secondly, another problem with this approach, I think, is while I could hear the potential idea of saying you want to protect Shlomo HaMelech, David HaMelech, Yoshiahu, even um, Reuven, these are great kings, these are the Shivteka, these are of that sort. But to say that the Torah, that, the, that Rabbi Yonasan and those who follow him are trying to protect B'nai Shmuel and B'nai Eli seems to me to be a stretch. After all, the B'nai Eli were depicted openly in the, in the Navi as being uh, bad, bad. They're totally machal kachem. They're totally taking, taking the meat from people before they put it on the Mizbeach. They're described terribly. And because of that, they're, gonna, they're getting punished. Eli is getting taken to task. They're getting killed in a war because of their sins. And it's like open that there's, they're not our tzaddikim, they're not our role models. These are not people who we seem to have a, an agenda to protect. Well, who, why do we need to protect B'nai Eli and B'nai Shmuel? Certainly B'nai Eli and B'nai Shmuel, we don't know anything about. So to say that Chazal are trying to protect them is, seems, uh, seems to me difficult. Now you could argue, you could argue that, no, it's not trying to protect B'nai Eli, it's not trying to protect B'nai Shmuel, it's trying to protect Eli and to protect Shmuel. And therefore it's making up, uh, pretending like, the, the sons of Eli and Shmuel weren't really so bad because they want to protect the cover of Eli and Shmuel. But to me, again, that seems difficult. First of all, you know, you see for the, the opposite tendency in Yitzchak, you know, Esau was the son of uh, Yitzchak, and you don't see that we, in order to protect the reputation of Yitzchak, we say that Esau wasn't so bad. It seems like, if anything, the Torah Shabbat Peh, the Midrashim seemed to make Esau even worse. And we say, look, Esau was very bad, but Yitzchak is Yitzchak. And just to say that 
that in order to protect the cover of Eli, because somehow Eli is like a role model for us, we have to the we have to cover up the sins of his children. Where the Navi openly says it, and then Rav Yonason's coming along and saying, "No, no, we have to protect Eli, and we can't make it. A, we can't let people know that Eli had sons who are corrupt, and therefore it just I don't know. It just seems to me. I'm not saying it's indefensible, but it's it's much harder case to make than if you're trying to do it by David and Shlomo and Ruvain and Yoshiel. Okay. The third question I have is specifically regarding B'nai Eli. Again, is the Gemara is holding, Rionison holds that even though the Torah, the Navi says that Chafni and Pinchas didn't sin, I'm sorry, sin, they slept with these women, it didn't happen. Now that is the position of Rionison. Right, that's the position of Rionison. But Rav, the Gemara says, the same Gemara says, that Rav is the position, the more nuanced position, that Chafni did sleep with these women and Pinchas did not. So even though the Pesukim say that they both did, or imply that they both did, it's, in fact, in truth of a fact, Rav is saying that it's true that Chafni did, but Pinchas didn't. Now, why would he say that Pinchas didn't? Is he trying to protect Pinchas? As opposed to, again, this isn't Pinchas, Pinchas is the son of Eli. Why are you trying to protect him? If you're trying to protect Eli, so then, fine, then protect them and say, both of us didn't do it. So it's just, it's hard, I don't, I don't see how you could say, like if you're trying to protect Pinchas, I mean, Elia, Pinchas and Khafni, they were shot, and why do we need to protect them? So Elamai, you're going to say you're trying to protect Eli, but you're not really protecting him, because you're saying one of his sins slept with a woman and the other one didn't, what does that do? Uh, but if you say, alternatively, I'm saying, I'm learning, is that no, that the, the, it's a question of actually what happened. What did they do? And Pinchas, we know, everyone agrees, Rav agrees, Pinchas didn't do it because the Torah is miyache, certain kohanim to him, so we know that he didn't sin. He didn't actually sleep with women because if so, he wouldn't have a, y- a good yichas of kohana. But Eli is the question. And that's the question. I'm not Eli, and Chafni is the question. Did Chafni sin or did he not sin? But again, to say that it's a pedagogical tool or it's some sort of whitewashing, what do you accomplish by doing that for only for, Chaf- for, only for Pinchas and not for Chafni? Okay, and the fourth question I have is that to suggest that 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 Chazal are involved in this um, attempt to cover up the sins of our tzaddikim, it's not, it is a point, it's it's more subtle, but it's not Chazal do this. I mean, this is Rav Yonasan. He's one position in the Gemara who maintains that all of these um, people didn't really sin. But there's different... Different Amoraim and Tanaim and Mefarshim agree in certain of them and disagree in other ones. So, for example, when it comes to, um, like, um, when it comes to Ruvain, so the different positions, Rashi brings down that he did, that he didn't sin. But, um, like, I think the Radak and the Rabag and I think of Arbidel say that he did. Fine. But when it comes to Shlomo HaMelech, for example, Nobody, as far as I could tell, the Radak, the Rabag, the Barbanel, all say that Shlomo Melech didn't sin. Even though it says in the Pesukim, the plain shot of the Pesukim says that he built a Bama to these of Zaras, but, but they all say it's not true. It's totally mean. Even though that's the Pshat and the plain stream of the Pshat is that way, but they all say that that doesn't mean that Shlomo Melech, Shlomo Melech, he's not building a Bama of Zara, and rather it means he didn't stop his wife from doing it. So you see that even though it's a plain shot, everyone admits that certain times the plain shot is not really the plain shot. And that's, the, that's what everyone seems to admit regarding Shlomo Malach. Now, is that true by Reuven? So that's a matter of debate. Even in the Gemara itself, there's different Tanam, there's different Amoram who hold one way. Regarding Bnei Eli, there's also Machlokas about, uh, about Chafni, but everyone seems to agree by Pemchas. And the point is, is that each one of these is actually Machlokas about the nuances of each parish and each character and to say whether they did it or whether they didn't do it. So if it's just an idea that the plain shot is the plain shot, 
that they did these sins, but somehow Chazal are trying to cover it over in order to deny the tzidkas, of, uh, to, to deny the fact that our great tzaddikim have, have sinned, it doesn't seem like there's a consistent... That, that, that position doesn't seem that anyone's holding that across the board. Everyone seems to be, by certain people, saying that it's, that it's not literal, and other people saying it is. So I'm not saying one can't work out a theory that's going to explain all these different shitos in line with a pedagogical technique, some, or something like that, or some, some, other, some form of trying to, which ones do we want to cover over and which ones do we not want to cover over. But I think it's, it seems contrived to me. Again, I, it's hard to, I'm arguing more against a, a, an approach, but uh, again, I'm not saying there's no way anyone could work such a thing out, but it seems to me much simpler to say that they're actually arguing about what they say that they're arguing about. They're saying, did he sin, did he not sin? And each one of these six characters, Rav Yonasana holds none of them actually did. And there's different Tanaim, Amoraim, Mepharshim, and Lachamesh, who agree with him in certain, certain instances, and disagree in other ones. And each one of them, you have to study each character, and each, uh, each story in Tanakh and be able to derive ideas about that story based upon an analysis, whether, whether you think the pshat is literal or you think that, no, the pshat is writing it based upon uh, the responsibility of the leader and the impression that he's taking, but really he did something different. Okay, so those are, I guess, my uh, four questions. Four questions. And uh, then I have two additional points, which I guess are less strong, but at the same time, I think they're, in my opinion, they're important. And one is, I think the approach, in a certain sense, reduces the chachma of the words of Chazal. Because the way I'm, the way I'm taking it, again, and whether you like my pshat or, or you don't, you could take a different pshatim, but the way uh, my experience in learning words of Chazal, experience I've learned from uh, Rabbi and from other Rabbeim, is words of Chazal in, provide insight into understanding the characters of Tanakh, into words of a hell of our lives, th- things of that sort. And to when I see this Gemara, and again, if, if you like the share, then you agree. If you don't, then maybe not. That each one of these statements by Rosh Hashanah helps elucidate, to bring out, to bring light to the story of Reuven, to see what he did, the story of, of Shlomo, to the story of David. And there's insights and there's nuances and there's ideas about what a leader has to be concerned about and how he has to be above board, and ideas about Chal Hashem and Kedush Hashem. And each one of them is, again, it's an analysis, and there's machloksim in each of them. And it's like through the words of Chazal, we could gain deep insight into all these different stories, all these different characters, into lessons about leadership uh, and things of the like. And again, it depends on how one would work out such, a, such an approach. But just to say that, no, Chazal are just trying to cover over the sins of our leaders in order to protect them and to, to something to that effect. To me, it seems like it's, it's superficial and it lacks, uh, lacks the insights and the nuances that, uh, that have, are typically found in Chazal. Now, again, I know I'm just taking that with one swoop. Obviously, uh, if somebody wants to take that approach, maybe there is wisdom, pedagogical wisdom and analyses and all that and Chachma to get from that. I'm not saying that can't be done, but that's, from my vantage point, that's what it seems like. This is giving us insight into the story, into the characters, into the people in Tanakh, and that type of approach seemingly just, you know, in one felt swoop or whatever, kind of just, um, you know, lumps says, this is what Chazal do, they're just covering it over for pedagogical, you know. So again, maybe there could be a more nuanced version of that, which presumably... You know, someone would develop, but it's, it seems like a stretch to me. And <clears throat> again, that's my opinion. And then the last one is, I think, last point I have to make, is that I think it's against the trend in Chazal, in Torah. 
I think there's something which is very um, commendable about Torah, and people appreciate this, is that the Torah is brutally honest about the flaws of our leaders. We don't hold by any idea of like um, infallibility of, of people, of our leaders, and the Torah is always reveals the sins of Moshe, of Aaron, of Shlomo, of David, of Ruven, and you know, it's like totally open and honest about the fact that even the greatest people sin. And it's part of Mishpat Hashem, that we know Hashem judges a person at tzaddik, but if he does a sin, then he's punished. And a rasha could be bad, but if he does a mitzvah, then he's rewarded. And that's an idea. We don't just have good guys and bad guys. There's subtleties and there's nuances. <clears throat> and that's like a, like a beautiful feature of Torah, is the fact that Torah recognizes that people are complex. And, and to just say that Chazal are trying to, or Rav Yonasan, it's not really Chazal, is trying to wash that away for the sake of you know, pedagogy, just to imply, to oversimplify life and to make it like there's good guys and there's bad guys. It just seems to me it's like, it's, it's, like a, it's somewhat dishonest and it's conveying an idea which is contrary to Torah. Now, maybe you'll say, you know, kids need this and, you know, we need to do this for the sake of kids, but I don't know, something rubs me wrong about that type of approach. It's like against MS. There's a certain amitas of Torah that we're honest about things and we analyze and we talk about the flaws of our leaders and just to try to brush it under the table in order to prevent... I'm not saying there's never a place to hide ideas. There is. There is. There are times where... There's room and the Torah doesn't always tell us everything and there's, there's hidden knowledge, which is, you know, but just as a general approach, I think we should be hesitant to take that idea. Uh, it seems to rub, rub like against the idea of the mitis of Torah, of how Torah is open about the flaws of our leaders. And I don't know, something makes me uncomfortable about uh, that type of approach. Again, these last two, two, two critiques about that, you know, the undermines the Chachmo Chazal and the dishonesty, uh, it depends on how they're done how this approach is done. There is, uh, again, I'm not arguing against any one particular version of these ideas, and I don't know if anyone has worked out on I'd love to hear if somebody has, a, you know, someone thinks a convincing working through of the Gemara of all these different shittas of Yonasan in line with that approach. I'm not sure if someone has done, has attempted like a thorough analysis of the different shittas and all that. I'd love to hear if someone did. But from my impression, again, these are, I guess you could say my six critiques or questions on that type of an approach. Okay, so I just figured that would be, uh, add that on. If anyone has any uh, follow-up questions, comments, I'd love to hear them. Okay.